0: Hello and welcome to Backyard Catch. This is your host, Nick Roby. I'm here with our uh, friend from, you've heard him before, Alex Fulner. How's it going,
1: Alex? It's going good. Thanks again for having me.
0: Yeah, love to have you on. So uh, Alex has thrown out some rule changes he would like to uh, throw out to all the sports. So Alex,
1: what are are your thoughts? I have lots of good ideas. You have lots of good ideas. Okay. Lots and lots of good ideas. So yeah, the rule changes to me are really interesting because there has been so many rule changes in sports over the years that they have become completely different games because of them. When I was at the Basketball Hall of Fame, the, did you know backboard why a backboard was instituted? I didn't. I know that they had the
0: pe- like the regular basket. Yeah, they the had a peach, peach basket, basket with no backboard. Okay, and they had to cut the hole in it because it was just easier than yep. trying to retrieve the ball every time.
1: Exactly, yep. And then eventually they added a backboard pretty quickly because the peach basket was hung on the gen- on the balcony um, like face. Uh-huh. And so there was people sitting above it. And uh-huh. if they didn't like the team about to make it, they would knock it out the basket.
0: Wow, so they put a backboard
1: a- up just to block fans from interfering with the ball. But now imagine that rule change has such strong effects now to the point where basketball is what it is because there's a backboard.
0: Oh, people's like whole games? Yeah. Like Tim Duncan's career is made off of yeah. using the
1: backboard. Yeah. yeah. So imagine, I mean, rule changes, I mean, obviously three-point line, stuff like that, it completely revolutionizes the game to where the NBA now prior to having a three-point line, it's almost just a totally different game. Mm-hmm. So rule changes are fun to think about, talk about. And although some of them are significant that I'm going to talk about, think about how significant some of the changes that have been made that it's we true. love, like three-point line. But anytime you throw significant changes out there, people are going to freak out. But in the end, mm-hmm. sometimes they have amazing benefits. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into some of these amazing rule changes. that have like a three-point line. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's see if they can revolutionize the game like that did. All right. Let's jump in with college basketball. Okay. Let's go. College basketball. Number one, I think that the three-point line has to get moved back. They moved it back a foot. Like, um, I don't remember how many years ago it was. It was like six years ago or something. They moved it back a foot. Okay. Um, so now you have, like, if you go to a, a gym now, you have, like, the the women's line, the, the, like, women's basketball line, the college basketball, the men's college basketball line, the, like, NBA line so there's like all these different three point We're lines, lines. Yeah, yeah it's ridiculous but at this point like i think that they should move it another foot back because to me college basketball and in sports in general or uh, basketball in general because of Steph Curry and others three points three pointers have just gotten out of control but it's to the point where now like i was at the North Carolina uh, Virginia Tech game yesterday and like 50% of the baskets are more are three pointers and that's very normal And it's not, it's not a problem. It's, it's based, it's like everyone out there, if you can't shoot a three now, you probably aren't going to be on the floor for very long. Um, Maybe one out of the five players can't shoot threes. But if you're a team that only has like two, three point shooters, you're not going to be going far in college basketball, especially because the line's so close and these Mm -hmm. guys are practicing it. And it's only going to get worse because the three point, the three pointer is really not a new thing, but it's a newer trend of emphasis over the last five years. Mm -hmm. And so now kids are shooting three-pointers at much, you know, they're practicing them much, much more than they ever have been. Mm -hmm. And it's just getting kind of ridiculous. It's like let's pass around the ball until we get an open three or get the rebound And you're almost open for not a layup, but like a putback, maybe Mm -hmm. a little push putback, and instead you kick it out for open three or you're on a fast break and you're driving one-on-one and you kick it out to the second guy for a three-pointer, and that's like a good play. Whereas growing up for me, that wasn't. Now, is this a good thing or a bad thing? To me, it's a bad thing because it's taking away an aspect of the game. I don't have a problem shooting a lot of threes, but I think it's gone past the line of beneficial. The number of three pointers that are being attempted, mm-hmm. the three is exciting, and I don't want to like oh, make it not exciting or like completely reduce extreme numbers. The amount of three pointer shot, but I think one foot is like a good mix of making it so. Hey, this is a harder shot; you got to think about a little bit more, and the percentages will go down a little bit to where coaches have to. Think twice before just spreading the lineup with all three-point shooters and not having a rebounder or someone mm-hmm. who can finish at the rim. I want to see more mid-range jumpers, yeah. more, more of that kind of stuff. Because to me, I, I'm a huge Kobe's my number one, you know, athlete potentially for me personally of all time that I love to watch. Mm-hmm. And I loved his like mid-range game, was just so exciting to watch. Mm-hmm. And you know, he could do it all: shoot threes, mid-range, finish at the rim, dunk. And I want that to stay true. I don't want it to be an all. Go to the rim or shoot a three-pointer type of game that the NBA and the college basketball is becoming, and I'm just fearing the NBA, like there's it's a lot harder to fix that now because the players are so good. The three-point line is already pretty far back, but with college basketball, I think that you can easily move it back. It's already so much ahead of the three-point line as the NBA three-point mm-hmm. line as it is. I think you got to move it back maybe two feet even from where it is now. So I I think that that's kind of important to keep the integrity of the game almost in check um where you, your top teams at the end of the season are not just a three-point shooting competition team it's a full basketball team
0: yeah i think it, yeah you do have to be careful because otherwise because um, that's where we are seeing a lot is that teams are definitely like either they drive the lane and have a lot of guys who are athletes which means they dunk a lot or they're really three-point specialists that's yep. kind of like what the two i mean even like you're arguing like in the nba it's hard to the center is kind of disappearing a little bit when I mean, you we, right. we have them but um that it's a it's lot just of
1: transforming it's just
0: transforming into where you're having like forwards right and that those forwards can all shoot from the outside as well yeah and so I, I don't think moving back would be as far um but there is only also some so far you can move back i don't, i don't think it should be a the same as the NBA. Right. Because they are college kids. I think it's okay for it to right. be smaller inside. Um, I have a big rule change I think needs to happen in college basketball. Good. Go for it. Okay. Four quarters. Yes. Need that's on be, my list. That's on your list. Okay. Has to be four quarters. Yep. I don't understand why high school is four quarters. <laughs> college, oh, we're going to play two halves. And then they go to the professional. Every other professional league. Four quarters. Yes. Women's is is now four quarters, and what was exciting playing halves, I think in basketball, it's different than in the NFL, um, or it's different in in other like like a soccer, um, because the fouls don't add up to give the other team an advantage. I think the huge thing with quarters is the foul situation yes. has to be fixed. Yes, because what happens is. You can have teams, say you get uh, the reps who are a little bit calling a little bit more ticky tack fouls. Like they're, they're just observing a lot more of stuff that regularly goes on, but they're calling it more. And so team gets into the double bonus against them. You know, they have ten fouls against them, and there's like ten like eight minutes to go. That means that they're gonna have guys on the bench. The other team gets two free throws every time the rest of the game. It slows the game down actually a lot more, and they're just, they're fighting from behind and it actually knocks them out of the way they can play defense for the rest of the game, like rest of the half. And I think also it can give a lot of, um, too, a little bit too much weight to the refs, especially in big games. If they get um, a little bit whistle happy, uh, then that can affect it. But also I think it also can have the reverse effect if they don't want to have that effect. So then they call less fouls and then it gets a little bit too rough. Yep. And I think if you have quarters, then you can like, Kind of how the NBA does a little bit. We're just we, have, we just have a less amount, and then say you only have five, and even if you get into like foul, like a team foul trouble in those t- ten minutes, okay, it's ten minutes is over. It's just less of a penalty, and you can restart it after the half. I don't think you have to change the amount of minutes. You can still go from two 20 minute halves to four ten minute halves, and it still be just as fine. It's the same product. You know, you're not really changing the amount of timeouts because they still take timeouts every four minutes anyway, automatically. Um, I think it's just for basketball, you should just keep it the same format.
1: I agree completely. College basketball is my longest list of rule changes needed. (laughs) Yeah. And in the end, I realize not all of them, but most of them are just I'm trying to make it into the NBA. Like, I want it to get to four quarters, I want it Mm -hmm. to be six fouls instead of five. Yeah. And I want the games to be a little bit longer. Add a minute or two. Once you go to four quarters, make it a minute or two. So in the end, and I'm wanting to move the three-point line back. So basically, <laughs> so you're just, basically, you just the making NBA. it an NBA. But really, that's what college basketball does, is they just copy the NBA five years after the NBA did it. They, they take like the the restricted area under the hoop where you can't take charges. Mm-hmm. They That was instituted after the NBA did it. And they're like, well, the NBA is doing this a lot better than we are. What can we do? Oh, let's just copy them and add a restricted yeah. area. Let's make the three-point back closer to what the NBA is. The players are getting more and more like NBA players in college, so it makes sense to have them more and more like the NBA mm-hmm. now. But that being said, I don't want to make it the NBA, but I want to make it more like the NBA in those ways. I still like the idea of college basketball being more, a little bit more slower-paced, more like team-oriented, more play-oriented, and passing the ball around. I like that idea of making it different from the NBA game in that regard, but I think a lot of the changes that the NBA makes, they're just more ahead of the ball, no pun intended, than college basketball is. So I agree completely with needing to make the game longer and add, And I, I would add on to that, you know, making it or the, uh, making it four quarters. I would add on to that, making it a little bit longer and making it six fouls. I think if you make it six fouls without making it longer, it gets too foul heavy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but the way it is now, you said they have to fix the foul problem. The foul problem is twofold. One, there's too many free throws happening too early because they get in foul trouble too quick. Mm-hmm. And like you're saying, you're in the bonus with like eight minutes left, or sometimes I've seen it like ten minutes left in March Madness last year. I mm-hmm. um, you're just shooting free throws. The game's just like so boring to watch because it's a free throw shooting competition with people who are lower free throw shooting percentage guys than the mm-hmm. NBA. Or... Um, I think that the idea of adding six fouls is important because I was at the Virginia Tech-North Carolina game. Once you pick up your second foul, you're in trouble. Like, Or if you pick it up early, you're in trouble. You, it's hard to stay in the game. And they left him in the game, he gets three fouls. You're done for the entire half. And the, to your point, the refs in college basketball have a tendency to whistle-happy or, you said, even on the other side. In other words, the, the quality of refereeing in college basketball is much lower than it is in the NBA. Reffing, right. reffing basketball is difficult. you got to make quick calls. The guys are moving fast.
2: Mm-hmm. There's
1: The lines are thin between you know block charge is the easy one to point at. Right. But it's just a difficult thing, and these guys are not like NBA referees. They're mm-hmm. just not to the same level. So when you have only five fouls and the game is that short, the referees hold so much weight in influencing the game. The fact they called our best player three fouls were up by ten points last night, and – suddenly they go on a 20 to zero run with we had our two best players both in foul trouble three fouls so they had to come out Mm -hmm. like that's that's putting too much weight on the nba has learned the good balance i think of how do we keep the superstars in the game by having six fouls there and you know it's like not too foul heavy not not You'd rarely have people in foul trouble at the end of games, whereas college basketball is pretty normal to have people fouled out in college basketball games,
2: mm-hmm. or at least
1: playing with five fouls and having to get out of the way of everyone when they drive so they don't pick up their sixth foul. Right. So the fouls are, are a problem twofold, and I think that the way to fix that is to make the game a little bit longer, give the referees a little bit more leeway to make mistakes by calling fouls they shouldn't call, or, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, it just takes the weight off of them a little bit by making it into six fouls.
0: No, I, um, I, I like that. I'm, I'm not as sure about making it longer. I see where you're coming from, but I also, I don't know. I guess it's like, I guess I don't want it to be exactly the same as the NBA.
1: What's your favorite amount of time to watch a sport?
0: figured amount of time. Yeah. Like, like if like you could, length. if you're going
1: to make up a sport and you're trying to figure out how long you want that sport to last.
0: Hmm. That's a good question. I would, um, are we including like commercial breaks yep. or just, okay. Yeah. Um, I would probably say the length of like, it's long now, but I would say like two hours, two fifteen, probably something like that. Okay. Is what so that's I'm, what
1: college basketball currently is. Is that what it currently is? Yeah. Um, And it's the shortest, probably not the shortest sport, but the shortest popular sport out there. I think
0: just ideally, um, yeah, I think college football is too long. Um, And that's just more not the actual game. It's too many commercials, I would argue. Um, So something along that line of, okay, maybe I'm actually saying two and a half hours with commercial breaks. I guess I just wanted to be a a flow, but also – what also gets hard, too, is it's hard to watch a full game sometimes, just with all much with life and stuff that's going on. Like, it's hard to, um, like, if you have a family or with people, it's like, if you have other plans, it's nice to be able to watch. That's the nice thing about college basketball is right now, you can watch a game from start to finish and still do other stuff during that day, you know? I and, agree with that. And, so, that's and, a valid point. Yeah.
1: I see that. I, I understand that point. Yeah, I can pull back a little bit on my opinion on that, because... The average length, and this is just my numbers off the top of my head. I didn't mm-hmm. look these up, but the average length of a NCAA basketball game is a little bit over two hours. Mm-hmm. Maybe like, depending on the foul situation, it can extend much longer. <laughs> That's, that is true. Which I'll I'll fix here in a second. Oh, you're so gonna get fix, excited. Okay, I'm excited. Um, th- that situation can cause it to be longer, but it's a little bit over two hours. NBA and NFL are both around three,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then maybe NBA is a little bit uh, faster. Mm-hmm. And then a little like right at three, maybe a little bit under, and the NFL's a little bit over. Um, and then college football is just ridiculously long to the point where sometimes it's almost four hours. Like it probably averages over three and a half hours to, to four hours. I
0: know for sure the Saturday night game, they started at eight something and it goes to like after midnight. Yeah. Like every time.
1: Yeah. So I think four hours has become standard for college football, which is absolutely horrible, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. But yeah. And. The thing I've noticed is, especially with people, you know, I'm 29, but with people younger than me that tend to be on their phones a lot, like they don't sit down and watch the game. They sit down and kind of watch the game and even can have a tendency to pull away from it at times mm-hmm. because they're not engaged with it. And the idea of making it shorter, does that fix that problem? Maybe it does. It makes it easier to digest the whole game just because everything's getting quicker, right? Right. The average mm-hmm. YouTube video length is decreasing, you know, that people are expecting to watch. Um, so maybe college basketball stays where it is, and it's that sport that goes quicker. Um, but it goes fast, and that's why there's upsets and stuff, too. So maybe that's beneficial in March Madness is if you mm-hmm. extend the length of the game, there's going to be less mm-hmm. upsets. Um so maybe it's worth worth keeping at, but I think the reason I wanted to extend the game is because I wanted to make it four quarters and I want to make it six fouls mm-hmm. to keep the foul situation from being a problem.
0: I have a I have a crazy idea I just thought of with the fouls. I like the six foul idea. So you could do that, but I think I think you're right though to do six fouls, you do have to increase the time a little bit to to, to, to balance out the amount of right. fouls. Alright, you could do what we used to do in Mario Smash Brothers. Say you have a team, tag team, you've died, like you've used up all your lives. Say you have like five lives, you used up all your lives. You could steal a life from your friend, and so the <laughs> amount of the amount of life, like say it's still ten, but you've actually are on your sixth one, and he's lost one. So maybe you could do like say you have a Zion, and he's about to foul out. You could give him an extra foul from somebody, and you wouldn't want to get crazy because then they'll just give like people like crazy amount of fouls but I'm saying you could have this like kinky little rule of you could like save a foul for your best player you know or just it would let coaches use some kind of strategic of like say for example with Virginia Tech your two best guys got in foul trouble they use somebody else's foul and you might have to do like okay they have to have played this amount of minutes in the game so you don't just use like the 12th guy on the benches like all his fouls he's like I'm just a foul guy (laughs) (laughs) You know, like I literally only get to play the foul. I have they just take them from me. So maybe they you have to they have to have played like ten minutes or something like that. To be, they're a part of the game.
1: Or you just have one golden foul you can apply like as a bonus foul, like a, right, like an extra life. You know, like mm-hmm. in video games where it says continue ten nine eight, like right. it's counting down, and you're able to just put in a quarter. And, or it's like a get
0: out of jail free. Yeah, it's a get a out of jail, jail free card. You get yeah. one
1: get out of jail free card where this guy suddenly gets to have six fouls. Right. That's a good idea. I like that. I don't know. So just maybe just like it,
0: it, it, is it me trying to play the best of both worlds? Maybe, but I don't know. It could just be a it fun could little, work. It
1: could just be a fun little wrinkle. So here's my best idea I have out of um, all my college basketball ideas, and it's not my idea, but it is called the Elam ending. So the Elam ending was used in the million dollar winner take all um, tournament ba- basketball tournament that was on ESPN this year. Mm. Um, it was in the off season. I forget what month it was, but it was semi recent. It was, it was three, in the summer. Yeah. yeah. Um, like four months ago or something and they used it for the first time. So Elam is a like s- smart guy. Um, his full name is, um, Nick Elam and he came up with this method and his plan, the, the goal behind this method is to eliminate intentional fouling. Mm -hmm. and to make the end of the game um, interesting. And so he's like an Ivy League guy. Um, you know, He's a middle school principal now. Um, But he came up with a bunch of different ideas, studied some stuff, and this is what he came up with. So at the end of games, and again, they did this on the basketball tournament, so you can look it up. I watched it after I read about this, and I thought it was awesome. And the way it works is at the end of basketball games – Instead of playing until the clock hits zero, you play until the clock hits a different time. In the case of the um, winner-take-all tournament, million-dollar tournament on ESPN, it was once the four minutes hit. So when there's four minutes left in the game, um, and he he recommended it being four minutes in college and three minutes in pro, based off of his data of fouling and when they start intentionally fouling and stuff. Okay. Um, Then the clock shuts off. So at the first dead ball once it gets below the four-minute or the three-minute mark. First dead ball, out of bounds, timeout, whatever. The clock literally shuts off. There's no clock anymore. And you take the team leading team's score, so say the score is 50 to 40, you take the team with 50, and you add 7 to their existing score, and that's what you play to. So if it's 50 to 40, you then play to 57. First team to get 57 points wins. Hmm. And so every... Every game ends on a game winner because you think about it, Every whoever hits 57 first wins. So it's like in your backyard, you play to 21, whoever hits 21 first wins. So there's no sure. there's no f- intentional fouling because obviously all that does is give them opportunities to score points to get closer to the 57 points. Mm-hmm. So that gets rid of intentional fouling, which is a huge problem in college basketball.
0: Oh, it's like a lot. Of, like it in is, the tournament, that's what a lot of these yeah. younger, smaller teams do. Yeah, it's
1: ridiculous. Yeah. It's not, and the reason that I want to remove intentional fouling is because it's obviously not exciting. It's exciting to an extent that will he make this free throw? Will he not? It matters a lot, but it's not exciting when it's done six six times in a row at the end of the game. I remember there was a game like four years ago that bu- didn't bust my bracket, but I got the pick wrong because they started fouling at like eight minutes left, and they made an insane comeback because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it eliminates intentional fouling. At ridiculous points of the game, yeah, um, and makes it exciting because every every game is a, not a buzzer beater because there's no clock, but it ends on a game winner.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so he had statistical data on why he picked seven points. He said it, it creates, and the reason he picked seven was because it's like hypothetically, it should simulate the amount of game time that was similar to the amount of actual game time that was removed. So if it's seven points and, you know, four, four minutes in college basketball, number three in NBA, mm-hmm. it's typically seven points. If you Whoever, you know, he looked at data, it takes to score seven points about four minutes in college and three in the NBA. And so that's why he came up with seven. Um, so when I watched it, it was pretty interesting. Um, he has other, like, ways you can adapt it and and, and use it. It was everyone, the, all, all the reviews I read and myself for – it's called TBT Tournament, the basketball tournament. That was on ESPN. Um, it worked really well. The one part of it that was kind of weird was like if you're winning 50 to 40 and it's hits under the four-minute mark, the coaches would have a tendency to call a timeout right then to try and set that game-winning target score at that moment because they don't want the other team to score 42 points and then 44 points and then 46 points and no dead balls happen during that time. Mm-hmm. So the first dead ball is when the clock stops and then you add seven. So they would immediately call a timeout to make that dead ball happen. Oh, after it
0: hit the four minute after mark. After it hit the four okay. minute
1: mark. So the moment it hit the four minute mark, they're calling a timeout. That's when they're When they're leading. So that was kind of weird. Um, I think that, you know, that's not a problem. It was just kind of interesting. There's some strategy involved there. Um, but it made it exciting. There was some comebacks, you know, where teams came down from down because they went on a run, like a 10-0 run, and then suddenly they're in the lead. And mm-hmm. um, So, yeah, that, that I think is a fantastic solution to the college basketball problem. Mm-hmm. And I hope that, and from what I've read, people believe they were looking at it in that tournament. It would be a huge step for college basketball to me based off some of the, you know, how slow they are to adapt to some certain things. But I think that that move would be really exciting come tournament time. It would remove the foul problem like we were talking about. It would would fix intentional fouling at the end of games. There wouldn't be buzzer beaters. That's the huge drawback, and I hate that. But they're still all game winners. So if you're down three, you're 54 points and you're playing at 57, you hit the game-winning three, it's over. And then everyone rushes the court. Every game would be like that. It wouldn't just be a couple games every year in the tournament. Right. Hmm. It's
0: a very interesting idea. Um, I think. I mean, I think you did point it out. I think the beauty that is a, that that's the hard part with college basketball is you like almost like take the intentional fouling, know that you're gonna, you know you're going to get some really cool buzzer beaters with it every year. It's kind of like one of these like a lot of intentional fouls for these couple really cool moments. Um, oh, he's like, did you see this like ten seed hit this crazy buzzer beater to win? Um... Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about it. It, like, makes sense in my head, but then, like, it doesn't feel completely like how I want it to happen. Well, it, it's, it's like this theoretically, like, this makes sense, but then I'm like, if I'm actually thinking
1: about how I would implement it, I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know if I would go for it. Look up the TBT tournament, yeah. and then as you're watching March Madness this year, because it's coming up, what, in two months, mm-hmm. think about would this be better if this was ended this different way? As you're watching all these foul shots go up at the end of games sometimes. To me it's worth it. There is a there is drawback to it. It is different. But at the same time, it's not different than what we do in the backyard. It's still it's you know, still exciting. It's still ending the game on a game winner. Which I think that's the that's one of the benefits to me is every game is ended on a game winner. Yeah. And I think that's really cool.
0: That is a cool idea. Does it does it I'm asking just in general, does it take away from game winners though? Just a it take away of the emphasis of like because if every game's a game winner. Yes, it does. Because that's the beauty of that. So it definitely does. Yeah, I, I do wonder if if it actually does happen. I think college basketball is the one to do it. I don't think NBA, definitely not NBA.
1: Yeah, NBA, NBA doesn't really have that problem.
0: No, I would say definitely college basketball is the one that yep. would take that in.
1: Hmm. Here's know, here's another idea I had okay. with the Elam ending is you can use it for overtime. Oh, I like that. So if I was in charge of college basketball, what I would do is I would institute it first for overtime only. You know how they do that sometimes? They'll kind of like feel a rule out like in preseason and then NFL or something, and then they'll eventually roll it in. That's what I would do. I would say no more overtimes. Overtimes instead are now Evil endings. So you just take, it's 50 to 50 unit regulation. We're just going to play to seven, you know, add seven or add 10 or whatever. Yeah. And that's what we're playing to. And I think that makes it way better too because then you don't have any more double overtimes, triple overtimes, where it's just gotten out of you know the the whole goal of overtimes, and we'll talk about this more with some of the other sports I'm going to talk about, is to just end it pretty quickly because the game's already gone on for a while. People are tired. You don't want it to be a disadvantage for the next game they play. Especially um, with
0: tournaments. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. Especially with the NCAA tournament. You don't want that's a really big disadvantage if you have it. Yeah, there's a couple of been big games that they go to like double overtime. Yep. And it's a big... It, it catches up.
1: Yeah. So why not just say, let's play to add add eight or add seven or whatever the number is. Let's mm. play to that because then there's no chance that you're going to tie. It's just first team to hit that number wins. Yeah. Um, and that's fair. It's not gimmicky. It's not weird. It's the same... It's almost the same difference in, mm-hmm. when it comes to overtime. Instituting it at the end of a you know a regulation game would be different. So if I was in charge of college basketball, I'd first institute that for overtime and see how it goes, see how it you know it's accepted, and then draw that into um, into the regular regulation uh, end of regulation games.
0: Mm. I like. I mean, I, I think that's the better way to do it. If you're gonna if you're gonna try this, I think it's. Um, what would probably happen is they would probably try in some, like, preseason tournaments. Um, or maybe, like, the NIT might be a good yeah, example of that's that. a good idea. NIT just because... Not that it's not important, but it, we just don't pay attention to it as much. And it would be a good way to, like, gauge of, like, okay, you're still getting the same... Like, you're still getting outcomes of games that count, but I think you get less backlash. Yes. Originally. And you could see, like, oh, people actually paid attention to the NIT because... It had this different. And it had this different thing.
1: Um, I don't have a problem saying that NIT is not important. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely right. would say it's not important. Maybe it's just because my, my team's been in it many like, times. My
0: team, I feel like, is in
1: it half the time, so that's why. I'm, <laughs> but um, the only benefit of the NIT is you get to have a home game, potentially. Ooh, that is nice. That is a big benefit. That, that is a big benefit. You get to go. I've watch been your one team of those. I've Illinois.
0: been on the Florida one of those. Yeah, we played Illinois. It was pretty. It
1: was pretty fun. Okay, but it, it was fun. But it wasn't important.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: At the same time, we were like, I would have taken losing in the first round. Yeah, exactly. It, that it's always that's that's the caveat with all of this. Is you're like, if we win the whole thing, then you're like, we're still worse than the <laughs> sixty-eight team that made it. All right, theoretically, yeah.
1: My next sport, you know, so college basketball to me. I could put some serious rule changes into effect yeah. in addition to the ones I listed, but that's where we're stopping it for now. Yeah. NFL. Okay. Everyone's most popular sport in America, right? Mm. Hot topic right now is the overtime roll. Yes. I like the overtime roll. You like it. I like the overtime roll. No, so you wouldn't,
0: you wouldn't change. You're starting off with saying you're not changing anything Over overtime. I
1: love the change that they did where they went from, hey, first team to score wins to hey first team to score a touchdown or if you're the second team you can kick a field goal and win. I like that aspect. You can't just win off the first team get the ball and kick a field goal you win. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of the way the overtime is now being hey, you got to stop these guys from scoring a touchdown. Scoring a touchdown's hard. Like it's not like they're going down and just kicking a 40-yard field goal, you know, just getting into field goal range and kicking in and winning anymore. That no. that wasn't no. fair. The idea of having to go down and score a touchdown, that's not like something that's done on the 50% or more of drives. Mm -hmm. I also like it because what teams do we have that have been in the playoffs this year? It's all offense-based teams. Mm -hmm. And I like the idea of saying, hey, you at least have to have a formidable defense that can stop someone when needed. Like, it's, it's, hey, you got to stop them, at least make them kick a field goal. Like, Mm -hmm. if you can't stop them and get them off the field, at least for the field goal, then you might not deserve to win that game. The other reason I like it is because when I looked up the data on it, the odds of the team that wins the coin toss winning the game is equal from college football to the NFL. Because remember, in college football, you get an advantage by winning the coin toss because you get to go second.
0: Right, everyone. And you get to, to
1: decide. Yeah. You get to decide what you need. You don't need to decide. You get to just see what do I need to do. If I kick a field goal, do I win? If so, then I can just be conservative, run the ball a couple times, mm-hmm. kick it, and win. Do I need to get a touchdown? If so, I'll go forward on fourth down. That's a huge advantage. So the odds of winning, you know, there's different data and and stuff, but for the most part, it's about fifty four, fifty five percent. If you win the toss, that you're going to win mm-hmm. in each in NFL and in college. So people think it's more fair to get the ball on offense like they do in college football, but really statistically, it's exactly the same.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now the difference is in in. Um, in the NFL, they reduced the overtime length down to 10 minutes. It mm-hmm. used to be a full quarter. Now they reduced it down to 10 minutes. Why did they do that? Because the whole point of overtime is let's give this over quick yeah, and just get these guys off the field because they've already played a full game
2: mm-hmm. and
1: they've been evenly matched. Let's just like figure out a way to make this happen that's kind of fair and, mm-hmm. and exciting. So they reduced it to 10 minutes. So that being said, it, while it's a 54% odds of winning, the odds of tying now are like 11%. So the odds, if you take it, okay, I win the toss or I lost the toss, your odds of winning go from like 54% to like 35%. So it is a significant advantage, like a 20% difference to win the toss. Mm-hmm. So while I like the way the NFL does it because it seems you know pretty fair to um, the way it is and it's exciting and it makes defense important, the toss is very, very important. So here's my outside-the-box idea for the toss. Okay. You ever played uh billiards like pool before yeah, you ever done where like you ever watch them on t v do it where like it's like all right, let's see who gets to break and how they decide who gets to break uh I don't think so I'm trying... they do a push where you put you each hit the the a ball like a cue ball at the same time simultaneously and you bank it off the back rail, and then whoever gets it closest to the front rail without touching the rail gets to um break mm. So it's a skill-based determination of who gets to go first. So my my suggestion would be eliminate the coin toss and institute some kind of skill-based determination of who gets the ball first. Mm. So it's pretty fair to me already. Like even with the coin toss, I still like overtime. But I understand it's it's a, a somewhat of an it's an advantage to get the ball first. So to fix that problem we make it skill-based instead of luck-based. Instead mm-hmm. of calling heads or tails, you do some type of um, determination of, okay, let's have our kickers out here. And whoever, I say
0: that's the one that, whoever yeah.
1: kicks it closest to the field goal post, the right upright or whatever, you know, gets to go first. Or your quarterbacks throw at a target or, you know, something outside the box that you take one of your skill position players Mm. And you just put them on the line. You have your punters come out. Whoever punts it closest to the end zone without going in, or you know wherever it lands, that's that's your guy. Like that, that's who determines who gets the ball first. It's already luck as it is, so you can't get any worse. Having the kicker having the kicker determine it is better than having a piece of metal determine it. That's flipped in the air. That's not even flipped properly a lot of times. It just kind of spins in a circle and doesn't flip end over end sometimes. Right. Like That is not a better way than whatever way I would recommend. It may seem gimmicky, but you're literally using a coin to determine Mm -hmm. who's getting the ball first. Why not make it at least some type of skill-based competition?
0: Yeah. I know the XFL, um, I mean, they weren't around very long, but they would try to... Instead of a coin flip, they the guys would just run and try to grab the ball, like they just ram at each other and just try to like <laughs> win the scrum of the ball. Now the problem is that, that it was like multiple weeks they had guys get hurt and they were like key guys, for <laughs> so it was like kind of silly. But that idea, so I knew you're getting at. Um, I think the coin flip in overtime makes it hard. I think at the beginning of being in the game, it it affects
1: the game but i think the game starts flowing and everything yeah. equal yeah amount. i looked that up statistically the, there's not really an advantage maybe like 1% or so to getting the coin toss at the beginning like the
0: the better team is going to win right and i think in overtime the coin flip is not as much i think it, you do have to like kind of figure out what is that skill that feels fair but also like lets a team actually win, I think the kicker is probably the closest thing you're going to get.
1: I like it because think about how important the kicker is already. The kicker is viewed as like a lesser role in football, Mm -hmm. but really the kicker determines games all the time. Mm -hmm. And so it's not unfair to have a kicker determine who gets the ball first Mm -hmm. when the kicker already determines this team won or lost based off of my leg kicking this ball through the upright or not all the time Mm -hmm. so having them determine a a coin you know like sitting in for a coin like that's not that huge of a responsibility compared to what they're already shouldering so to me either having the punter or the kicker do it would be the best way to do it if you know I'm all for outside the box ideas because I believe sports is about entertainment and excitement and like you know drama I would love to have the quarterbacks throw at a target, or have the fastest guys run. Whoever runs the to the fifty-yard line first, like you were saying, something like that, mm-hmm. would be more exciting because then you're taking your skill players and really putting them on, on, um, on show. But mm-hmm. I think if I were doing it, I would do a kicking, kicking competition. I would brainstorm different kicking competitions. You know, whether it's like a closest to this target or punt mm-hmm. it closest to the end zone line or. Whatever it is, that that would be what I would uh, do. I mean, onside okay. kicks are gimmicky, coin flicks are gimmicky. Like this is, is true. Or, it's already like changing stuff like this seems weird. Just because it's not normal. Because it's not normal, but really in the end, I think that it would be a much better system.
0: Okay, I like that. I think that could be interesting. Maybe not as much as like uh, kicker tic tac toe like they play in the Pro Bowl, but <laughs> however, I. I don't like that the other team doesn't get the ball if they score a touchdown.
1: Even after I told you the data, even after you told me the data is the same, I don't like it. It feels like it's it unfair. it feels wrong. But it doesn't it feel wrong to you that the second team in college football gets a distinct advantage to know what they need to do?
0: Yeah, I would also argue I don't fully love college footballs.
1: Okay, so what would you do? Up. What would you do? So
0: what I I think. The thing with college football is I actually think it's an okay system, and it's also because it's also college. I think it's okay that it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more, um, I don't want to say gimmicky, but that's where we we keep using. I think just because it's not professional, it's, I think it's okay if it's a little bit different. I would argue that college football, maybe you start at like the 50 or something at least make it to where you have to gain some kind of yardage.
1: Yeah, I can see them doing that. Maybe not the 50, but at least back it up 10 more yards. Or something where
0: they have to like gain some kind of yardage to where they're not automatically within field goal range. Yes. And I'm surprised least, they haven't done that At least yet. it pushed... And I think the kickers and collars are getting it to where they can make it consistently enough. Um, NFL, I... I get where that's coming from, and I hear the data. I guess I'm just... It's hard for me... When you think about it, when you have a chance to go to the Super Bowl, and arguably one of the best young talents at quarterback, and Patrick Mahomes does not get a chance to have the ball, well, you should have just finished it in regulation. He should have. No, no, no. I know. I'm just. I guess I'm just like. Like just, think, think of
1: overtime like... in other sports. You have like golden goal, and then you go into free kicks. Like, you have penalty shootouts. Like, all of them are just like, let's, like, we've, you guys are evenly matched. we got to figure a way to end this thing.
0: Right. I guess, I, no, no, I know where you're coming from. I guess with soccer, it's like most of them, they really just do penalty kicks now. But at least both teams get the opportunity to, they both get to kick.
1: You're on defense. It's not like you're not on the field. Tom Brady, Tom Brady's field. on they the field, are, but your defense is on the field too. They are on the field. I guess I'm just. You have a chance. You just got to stop I guess, them from, guess, a, from scoring a touchdown. You can even just have, let them kick a field goal. I don't know.
0: I guess I just wish. Um, I would almost. I guess for me personally, I almost just would maybe just rather them actually just play out another quarter. Like it doesn't have to be another full quarter, but like in basketball, like the ten minute, just like the ten minute. Let them let them play out the ten minutes, or even just make it like eight minutes or something to where it's like. Okay. Make him just keep playing football. I think that is the hard part with football, is college football, I'd say, has the best system. I wouldn't say it's like this flawless, like, perfect system, but I think it's the best out of what, it, it versus the NFL, and I think I'd rather them just kind of play, like in basketball where they just play a smaller amount, of, right. the, but you're still playing basketball.
2: Right.
0: That's It just gets kind of weird of like, and also I think it just gets kind of confusing
1: yeah, when I'm thinking about overtime, like if I'm the commissioner, I'm thinking, what do I want in overtime? I want it to be exciting. Mm-hmm. I want it to be fair, and then I want it to be quick. Mm-hmm. Because that's we. I think we can all agree. Like those, those are the three most important aspects of overtime. We, we can at least agree those are three of the aspects of overtime that yeah. I would prioritize. Yeah, yeah. So to me, keeping it exciting, keeping it fair. And keeping it quick is important. So, if you do add a whole nother quarter, like a whole nother, even if it's like a shorter quarter, that's not that's suddenly taken away from the quick factor. It also takes away from the excitement factor to me because then you don't have the opportunity for walk offs like you do with the, the current system. No,
0: it is, it is exciting. It's not,
1: and it's just as fair as if you didn't give them the ball back because they're still, like I said, in college football, you still would know what you need to get potentially.
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: if you have a full quarter like the cowboys we've run out like eight or nine minutes of the overtime period before Mm -hmm. and then suddenly the other team only gets the ball for like a minute and a half two minutes it still wouldn't be fair to get the ball second um or like you would want you would want to get the ball last yeah maybe it's
0: yeah maybe it's get the ball last i don't know i guess i'm just um I don't know I, I yeah I, I guess it's just there's not like a way that I feel great about it you could even do like that's the
1: thing no overtime that I can think of am I like this is perfect
0: yeah because I even think in the NFL you could even do like have both teams get an opportunity to drive the ball and the team that gains the most yards wins the game
1: all right so here's my other outside the box idea for overtime mm-hmm. the away team no let's say the home team The home team gets to pick where to place the ball Mm -hmm. on the field. Mm -hmm. And then the away team picks whether they want to be on offense or defense. Okay. So you'd say, we want to put the ball at the 10-yard line. And then that other team's coach would say, all right, I'll take the ball at the 10-yard line, or no, I'll give you the ball at the 10-yard line. And then they play out from there, first person to score wins.
0: So they can place it anywhere on the field? Yeah. Like there's no, like there's no, like it has to start at the 20. Like No, that's the
1: whole point is you can pick what yard line to put the ball at.
0: Interesting. Okay. But then the away team just gets to pick if they want to be on offense or defense. Yeah,
1: so you can be like, if you're, so you could put the ball like real close to the end zone. And then obviously the other team would be like, all right, we'll take ball then. Or you could put it all the way back you up on the one yard line, making go 99 yards. And they'd be like, all right, you take the ball then. Mm. so one coach picks where the ball goes the other coach picks whether they want to take the ball where it's at or play defense
2: Hmm.
1: wouldn't that be awesome it'd be interesting that's for sure it'd be fair it'd be exciting and it'd be quick yeah
0: it would yeah it definitely would be exciting and quick I don't know. I guess, yeah. Because yeah. then
1: it's also strategy involved. How do I feel about my defense? How do I feel about my offense? Do I want to put it, like, if I feel great about my offense, I'm going to put it like, the five-yard line to really make them say, all right, you get the ball at the five-yard line then, and then I'm confident in my offense to go 95 yards down the field. And then it says something to your team as well, like, hey, I trust my offense or I trust mm-hmm. my defense.
0: Like, I actually think I like that better than our current
1: setup. Wouldn't that be entertaining? It would be entertaining, I, and that's I what sports that. is about—is oh, entertaining. It, oh, it's about and all the talk afterwards would be, "Can you believe he put the ball on the five yard line?" And then, "Can you believe that so and so drove down the field and scored anyways?" Or he put the ball on the five, and the other coach still took ball first. Like it'd be really interesting.
0: It would be really interesting to see how that all would play out. Um, hmm.
1: All right, so that's our overtime idea then. That's overtime. how we just we just fixed overtime. We just fixed
0: overtime. You're welcome, NFL. We fixed your overtime. <laughs>
1: All right, what else in um, the NFL? All right, this one's a no-brainer. Everyone's got to agree with this one. You know how now when you fumble the ball out the end zone, like you say you're diving for the pylon. Oh, I know. It's so, And you fumble it. Yes, and then the, other, the one, other
0: team just gets the ball. The other
1: team gets the ball at the 20-yard line. For, like, making the effort to yeah.
0: try to, like, go over the end zone. Yeah,
1: that's ridiculous. So my rule fix would be it's a touchback still, but you get to keep the ball.
0: I like that. It just goes back to the 20. It just
1: goes back to the 20. It's not a turnover because you, if you fumble it out of bounds, it's not a turnover. I think the
0: only thing with that is, is I wouldn't say you get a new set of downs.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Uh, you I would, would say, like, so say, say you don't get a new set of downs. So say it's,
0: say, it's, say it's third and seven, you're on the 15 yard line, and you happen to make this big play, but you accidentally fumble it out of the end zone. Otherwise, you would normally – the other team gets the ball in the 20 and you've, like, lost all this momentum. You still have the ball. And I guess you would have you, – you I guess in that scenario, you would have gotten the first down. I guess right. I'm just trying to – you would just want to – Yeah, you'd it,
1: have to figure out when the first down is called versus when it's – Yeah, because, like, say I'm it was just, an 80-yard yeah. 80 80 yard run and you fumble it at the last second. Mm-hmm. The ball comes back out to the 20. Is it first down on that 20? I would say first and goal. You get first and goal from the 20. First and goal from the 20. That, yep. I, okay. Yeah, like so it's that. still a penalty, a severe one. You know, you first and goal from the 20. That's hard to convert. I guess you But you
0: still have the ball. Yeah, you don't want to penalize the player for making good play and then the ball... Yep. Him losing at the last second. I mean just to give them automatically the ball back because they could have just recovered it
1: and you're still punishing them for not being careful enough with the ball because
0: you don't want yeah because you don't want people to do is then you don't want them to start just like throwing it throwing it in the end zone if they know they're going to make it taking it back to the 20
1: and saying it's first and goal from the 20 I think would be perfect I think it's better I think it's a no-brainer because it's really silly some of the circumstances the way it happens it's like that doesn't seem right like the last year was it last year? Yeah, we played the the Cowboys play the Raiders and we had clearly lost the game. And then Derek Carr like they were already in field goal range. And then Derek Carr like dove for the pylon to go for the end zone. Mm-hmm. And then he fumbled it out the back and we got the ball and then we won.
2: Yeah, I was like
1: this this doesn't seem right. Like he was it was literally like an inch before the the line. Like they should be able to like at least keep the ball back at twenty. Yeah. All right, so that's one. Um, this one everyone's got to agree with. The NFL has experimented, I've been told, with putting computer chips in the ball. I read about this to get rid of the chain game. So you no longer have any you don't no longer have to have guys run out with chains to determine if the it's a first down or not. Or even you no, no longer have to have someone see the ball to see if it went across broke the plane or not. You have a computer chip in the ball and the computer chip <laughs> tells you exactly where that ball got so you can tell if it was a first down or not the moment it's placed by the ref. And when it broke the plane, you can say, yep, that broke the plane before the whistle was blown. That was a mm-hmm. touchdown. Because a lot of times it's hard to see with all those guys in the middle of the field on like a you know one-yard run on the end zone whether or not they got in. Yeah, The computer chip in the ball supposedly, based on what I've seen, does not affect the performance of the ball. We have the technology there. You just Mm got to pull the trigger on that because it's ridiculous to have the chain gang come out. You see the game last year with the Cowboys where it was the Oakland game again, where the referee, he took the ball and uh, it was Gene Steratore. He took the, it was like the ball was right up against the stick. You couldn't tell if it was past it or not. So he took a piece of paper and tried to feed it through. Yes, I do remember (laughs) this. is this is like, guys, we are in the 21st century. We have so much technology now. We can do crazy things, but we can't measure if like the ball went 10 yards or not like without taking chains I out know. and
0: running them on the field. Well, the hard thing with, with chains, too, is that I always – I feel like I laugh because they make it so like precise. This is exactly what it is. But then you see the guys who come out, and they're just like <laughs> running up and all down the line. You're like, is this actually like official? You're exactly. Just, You're exactly right. It's not
1: even fully accurate. It's just – it's like a general – Yeah, it's it's accurate, but it's not as accurate as a computer chip would be. I think if you could just prove that it's like a
0: lot more efficient and it could definitely would not affect the ball, um, you could still, it wouldn't malfunction to where if a bunch of guys were on top of the ball, that they're going
1: to miss it. Right. Um, it would speed up the pace of play, obviously, too. Mm-hmm. The, or pace of plays—not the right word. Golf terminology. Sorry. It would That's, speed that's, a, ba- up. that's a baseball one. Too. It would speed up the uh, the game. The games would be shorter too, because you're not having to waste time. Give me a measurement, and coaches complain. Give me a measurement, because really they just want more time to figure out whether or not they're going to go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it would make the game faster, and I mean, there's other technology out there too, where you can just put two beacons on the side of the field. You mm-hmm. have everyone step. Back a yard, Mm -hmm. and you put the ball down, and you say, Does that break the literally break the plane of the laser beam? Mm -hmm. Okay, then if so, then it's a first down. It's not that hard of technology. I think the NFL just hasn't prioritized it, and I think it would be very beneficial to get rid of the chains. Yeah. Um, The other change I would make in the NFL is my last one, is um, at least for this segment, is to I would have less. Um, away from game commercials and more in-game commercials, like they've started to do, I would ramp that up a lot. Where they have, we're going to do a forty-five minute, bre- forty-five second break, and they keep the long f- commercial forty-five minutes, <laughs> forty-five <laughs> minutes, and they keep the uh, the picture in picture of the game mm-hmm. while the commercials playing around it. Have you seen that? I have seen. I have seen a little bit of. They've that. They've started to do that a lot, or some. I would just ramp that up a lot because the the commercials are starting to kill the watchability of the game, especially mm-hmm. in today's age. Like I was saying before, kids are starting mm-hmm. to just tune out from things, and it's just gotten out of control. There's commercials after everything, and that's mm-hmm. always been true. But, I mean, at this point, it's I, I've gotten the NFL Game Pass before, and you can do NFL game replays. You can watch the entire game in a little bit over 30 minutes um, from play to play, and that's oh. including, like, they just cut out all the middle stuff. Yeah. I mean, so the actual game time, where the ball's in play from snap to tackle, and they even have some fluff time in there where they'll show big replays and stuff in the NFL game rewind. Mm I feel like
0: I've heard about this. Like,
1: it's it's 30 minutes. So, does it really need to be uh, like a little bit over three hours? And in college football, four hours? It's crazy. It's it's hindering the ability to grow the sport, I believe. Granted, Mm -hmm. the people who are into it are going to watch it. But the people who aren't into it aren't going to be able to sit down and watch a three- or four-hour game with all these commercial breaks throughout it. Mm-hmm. So instead, you work with the commercial, with the, with the people you're, that are paying you to do the commercials to say, hey, we're going to keep it in-game. We're going to do more in-game ads and figure out how to negotiate that in ways where you're still just as lucrative but you have in-game advertisements and you say, hey, guys, more people are watching these. They're not fast-forwarding through these because it's a part of the game or it's only 45 seconds or you know, people aren't leaving and going to the bathroom. So we'll charge you more for it than we would a normal commercial ad. Um, or just figure out other ways to generate ad revenue outside of commercials to try and keep it from getting to where it's gotten now.
0: Yeah, and there's way too many commercials. I, I think that is very interesting. I do wonder, though, when I've seen some of those types of commercials – is that um, they're not commenting on the game. So you're actually, like, say the big play happens, you're still having to get through that commercial. And I guess that's just kind of like the, the con of that. Is Say, like, a big play happens, and it's like, okay, after the fact, you do kind of miss the natural call of a play. Right. Um, with those. Another thought I've had, just as you were explaining that, too, is, like, you could, I, I like, but I do like where that's coming from of like trying to cut away from just cause a lot of times people just use commercials to like go to the bathroom or get more food or they're not actually watching right. that or they're not really paying attention anyway. Um, or you just do like you do in soccer to where they play two halves. There's no commercials. People love that. It's just stop and just people just play. And then they have a break in the middle. So you could either just do breaks in the middle of even just the quarters you just do maybe just do longer breaks in the between quarters or in the between the half or you start doing what the NBA started to do and start selling advertisement on the Jersey. And I know as Americans, like we don't like that as much because we we love our teams just to have just what it is. But I know soccer is really big and they sell advertisement. It's like Manchester United Chevy (laughs) (laughs) it's right there. And, I don't know. So I think there are other options for it, but I think it's just a matter of the NFL if they're like, no, we don't want to do that. And it's like, well, it just depends. on the, I think the product on the field is the biggest thing you have yes. to. Yeah,
1: address. so I agree. I would do that in a heartbeat. I would put one logo on the corner just like the N- N- NBA did. I know because the company I work for sponsors an NBA team, it's like $7 million a year or something like that, seven $8 million a year um, to have that logo on there. So NFL, you know it would be higher because the NFL is the most popular sport. It's the highest rated sport so in America. So you can really get way more money for, for that than you could in the NBA, I think.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But, yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat. And that, that's my last change I would make to, because this is my college. We've talked college football as well. My last college football change that I would make because the, the games are too long is I would have the clock run more. You know, on first downs, the clock stops until the ball is placed. For example, right. yeah, you got to get rid of that because maybe if you want to do that, like in the two minutes left, maybe if you notice, like the NFL, the clock doesn't stop when you run out of bounds just during a regular portion of the game.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, like I didn't know that for the longest time, and then I'm like, wait, he just ran out of bounds. Why is the clock still running? It's not because he ran out of bounds backwards. He ran out of bounds forwards.
2: Mm-hmm. He
1: ran straight out of bounds, and then the clock continues to run. Like, the NFL knows, hey, these games are long enough as it is. Like, we don't need to stop the clock all right. the time. Right. And that's part of the reason college football is so long. Probably the primary reason is because the clock stops too frequently. Every first down it stops. It's It's – so I would look at all the rules behind when the clock runs and stops mm-hmm. and try to change that so that the clock continues to run more often. And that'll make teams have to hurry up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It'll make, but most importantly, it'll just make the game be less than four hours. Cause I don't know any other popular sport besides like golf and tennis that sometimes lasts longer than four hours. Um, and I think that it's, and, and everyone's kind of noticed it, but it's never going to change unless they change it or we stop watching and boycott, which isn't going to happen. Or their viewership starts going down because they're not getting new, new people watching.
0: Sure, sure.
1: All right, you ready for the next sport? Yeah, let's go. All right, golf. Okay. So golf, there are so many ideas of rule changes. What is the number one problem with golf, do you think? Or what is one of the number one problems with golf? What would, what would you say? Like, what keeps people from picking up on golf? Um, picking up from golf. I
0: think it's just, it's a slower paced um, sport. Yeah. I think, like, when you know it and you're into it, like with the Masters and like I, when I've watched a little bit of it, uh, it's really interesting and you're really engaged. But it's just hard to stay in tune. It's just so long, yep. I would say. And, and it's for... And also these big tournaments are four days. So it's these really epic events, but they are, it's just long trying to keep up with people. And it's like all these different times.
1: Yep. So I agree. So I would start to institute one-on-one matches more often. And they used to do this. It was called like, I forget, like Friday night golf or something like that. And David Duvall and Tiger Woods would go one-on-one similar to what Phil and Tiger did. And, I think that the, that the Phil and Tiger match, while it was underwhelming, it still provided a ton of buzz and gener- generated interest. And Granted, it was Tiger and Phil, but I still think it would have been really exciting for people to watch anyone go one-on-one, especially the top golfers. Mm-hmm. So what I would instill is having a challenge bracket. Like in high school tennis team, you're, if you're the three seed, you can challenge the two seed for their spot. And right, you can take it over. Team. Yeah, um, Like I complained about what golf before, there's like so many rankings. There's the official world golf ranking. There's the top in the money list. Then there's the FedEx Cup rankings. It's too confusing as to who's the top golfer at any given time. Right. So I would have a ranking system. That is based on challenges and brackets. Mm-hmm. So to, to get eligible, you'd have to be in the top five of pick your ranking system, official world golf rankings. Yeah. But then within once you're in that top five, it's all challenge-based. Okay. So it's, okay, if you're the five seed, you can challenge. And I'd, I don't know if I'd make it so you could only challenge one up. You know, like you, we could play around mm-hmm. with that. But maybe um, you could only challenge one up. And then, you know, they do one-on-one match, and it's just one day. So, like you're saying, it's four days normally. That's a problem. You know, for golf fans, it's not like me. I love that. But for the average fan, it would be awesome to watch Rory McIlroy ch- challenge Dustin Johnson for the number one spot in the world, and mm-hmm. they just play a one-night golf thing on Friday nights, primetime. I think that that would be – they had a lot of success with that before, back in the day with, with the one-on-one golf matchups. I love whenever I see two golfers going head-to-head – um, have it Mike to like Tiger and Phil did. I think you'd see a lot more banter than Tiger and Phil had when they did the match Sure. On, between your average golfers um, even because um, $10 million wouldn't be on the line. It would just be more um, you know, bragging rights. So there'd be a little bit less focus and more just banter. Right. Um, I think that would be really entertaining for people to hear the dialogue of a golfer with their caddy, hear the dialogue of a golfer talking trash to another golfer and um, just the idea of going mano a mano is not used enough in sports, and I would love to use that in golf to make it more exciting.
0: Hmm. So you're not you're not suggesting to change the setup of any of the tournaments. You're just basically adding on of how we rank the top golfer in the world
1: yes change how we rank the top golfer of the world and start to try out more one-on-one challenge matches mm. to see how they are received by the populace and then if they're received well you can start to transition out of some of these uh lesser tournaments that not many top golfers go to and try- start promoting more of the one-on-one matches because i think it'd be awesome to watch golfers go head-to-head against each other
0: right because i think that's what I mean when we watch in these big tournaments you, you want to watch um, you're really watching you're watching the field but usually what it ends up being is like the final three or the final two they're going head to head to try to win this yep. tournament and so to see them go back and uh, against each other I think could be really cool I guess I'm just interested of just I wonder how these top golfers would like it would just be interesting to see how they responded to like having the challenge you know and and I guess you're saying just it would just be the pride of just being number one. Is, so that's is, true.
1: That's the portion that I haven't figured out because you'd have to figure out how do I make this matter, mm-hmm. like what do I do to make this mean something and um, be valued? Because if you just do it for the pride of being number one, that probably wouldn't be that beneficial. I mean, it could be just like a fun side thing. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to figure out how do I make this fit in. You know, I complained about the golf playoffs already in a previous podcast. So figure out: Do we? How do we kind of re, redo our golf playoffs? Is this would this replace the playoffs almost? Mm-hmm. And you'd have more like a bracket one-on-one system of the top ten golfers play each other um, in a tournament where you know day one is the first round, day two is the second round, day three mm-hmm. is the third round, like something like that. that. More one-on-one tournaments, more one-on-one challenging is more what I want to get at to determine who's the top golfer in the world than some weird ranking that no one really understands. And one week it's this guy, next week it's another guy. Now that Tiger Woods isn't around, it kind of flip-flops from person to person too quickly. It'd be more fun to see him, okay, you challenge this guy, you beat him, now you're number one. Hmm. Hmm. All right, I have a couple more. Okay. Tennis. Okay. Men's tennis has gotten to the point where it is too long because the players are so good and so strong and athletic that they're just playing back from the baseline. Now, old school tennis used to be much shorter where you'd come to net. The goal is to get to net, finish the point at the net. Mm -hmm. Now guys are so strong, and the the racket technology is to the point where you can put so much spin on the ball and power behind it without Mm -hmm. it going out that coming to net is only advantageous at certain times and on certain surfaces. And it's to the point where I believe that tennis players are the top athletes in the world because of the strength, agility, speed, heart and lung endurance that they have. Mm
2: -hmm. And they
1: have to go for such long periods of time to play tennis. So when I go play tennis for an hour, I'm sore for like a couple days. Mm -hmm. And these guys are playing for like four hours. And then they go do it two days later, two days later, two days later for this period of two weeks in this tournament. And they're just wailing on the ball way harder, way longer than I am. And uh, back at the baseline, something needs to be done where I would institute like two set matches earlier maybe in the tournaments mm-hmm. instead of three set matches and then institute the three set matches once you get to the quarterfinals. Um, some, and they do that in some of the lesser tournaments, I think like Indian Wells or some of the other tournaments are just two sets. But the majors are always five set matches. Right. I think in the earlier rounds you go back to two set matches because it's just gotten out of hand with what these tennis players are having to put their bodies through and the conditioning that they have to be at. It's entertaining right. for us to watch, but it's, it's gotten just to me like a bit mm-hmm. ridiculous. If you watch a set of tennis and you just ex- like try to focus on what that guy's putting into the, into the the match, it's, it's intense. A lot. Yeah, and then they have to come back and do it two days later. It's, it's ridiculous. So I think that would be. Um, it would also potentially help the longevity of people's careers, maybe. And
0: mm-hmm. I think with that, too. My big push is that each. I saw a stat but recently, but each major. In tennis, has a different way to end tie breaks in the fifth yes, set. Yes. Yes. And I, I would say, um, I don't know as much tennis, but basically, I think it should just be like a um, a seven seven point tie break. Yes. Basically, kind of thing. Just like make the last set because it. I think that we've seen a couple of these long matches, but it's not actually the the level of tennis goes way down, and I think you just do like we were talking about before with overtime. You want to to make a clear cut winner. And and if you have a five-setter match, like that's like three or four hours already. Yes. You know, so you just want to end it, and it's a lot to ask of people. So I think for these majors, they should just have – it just needs to be the same across the board. Yep,
1: yep. So Wimbledon was the one you're referring to. And after mm. this past year, that came up like multiple times, and so everyone's calling for that. And so – Wimbledon's old school, kind of like the Masters. They're the last to adapt to things and change things because mm-hmm. of the history behind it. But the pe- people are believing, I don't think it's beneficial yet, but people are believing they're going to change that and go to like a seven-point seven uh, tiebreak like mm. they do in the other majors. Because, yeah. like you said, these guys have already gone for so long, it's kind of ridiculous to make them keep going. And, and Plus, the, I don't know if people are watching. Yeah, true. Like, for that long. True. You know? No one's watching that whole match. <laughs> all right um my last is the nba so we've talked a lot about um college basketball and some of my ideas kind of go over like the elam ending and overtime that's a potential idea to pull in basketball um one one idea that's thrown out a lot is the basketball as a whole i think does a fantastic job so i don't have very many changes with the, when it comes to the nba especially
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. um one idea is the four-point line.
0: I was going to ask you if you were, yeah. So
1: I think it would be cool to institute a four-point line just beyond half court or, like, around half court. Maybe, like, a little bit in front of it. Mm-hmm. But add it so, and it would just add to the end-of-game drama so that there would be an opportunity for them to get a four-point shot off and... Um, you know that, that being said, if they did the Elam ending, which I'm not saying they should do in the NBA, that wouldn't ever come into effect for the most part because right. at the end of games you wouldn't need to be heaving up shots. But I like the idea of a four-point line. I don't think it's necessary or like going to add that much, but that's one idea I like the, to throw out as, hey, this is something that could be cool, and I think that you, if you put it at a certain point, it would be beneficial depending where that line was draw, literally drawn. Mm-hmm. To a point where it's like an aspect of the game that has to be considered, but it's not like going to get out of hand. Right. Um, the other one that I have is allowing kickballs. So right now in the NBA, you're not allowed to kick the oh, ball oh. And, or in college basketball. Right. Why not? Because it's not Soccer. Yeah, yeah, but, like, on defense, like, oh, the guy's going to pass it over there. You put your foot uh, out and stop well, it. Well,
0: it's, it's not it's not a – I guess the, the the reason is just because it's not – you're not really defending. You're just kind of, like, getting it's, – it's just – I guess it's just not a defensive move. It's it's more of, like, a, a last second to try to, like – somebody who's faster than you just getting by. So it's a last second just to try to – probably also to protect players as well. That's true. From from tripping.
1: That's true. So the reason I thought of this was um, because I heard Jeff Van Gundy bring it up during a broadcast that he wanted to get rid of it. And then it made me think of how an ultimate Frisbee, like, you play defense with your feet a good bit to block the disc from being thrown from a low height. Mm. So you don't have to reach all the way down. You just stick your foot out, which is harder than you think to get your foot out there that quick Mm -hmm. because you have to be well centered on your balance. Um, So I don't mind the idea of adding kickballs to help defenders block Um, passes. I thought it was pretty fun. Jeff Van Gundy is one of my favorite um, commentators. He he throws out
0: all this stuff all the time. His outlandish ideas
1: are very uh, entertaining to watch. But I do the last thing I'll say is I do love how the NBA has adapted to the All-Star game and changed the rules behind the All-Star game. Because I think this last year when they changed it so it was Mm captain-based and it was LeBron versus Steph, there's so much more pride that goes behind that when you got drafted by LeBron and you're on LeBron's team trying to beat Steph and just with the captains themselves driving the culture of like this is my name's on the line like i got to beat this guy like yeah. that that made the game way more um, competitive at the end and exciting and i thought that it made it just more it was more had more integrity to it and more uh, it was just more personal and that made it very exciting so i love i think the nba does a great job of instituting stuff like that that's viewed as outside the box and then it works and or doesn't work and they go back. But I think that the NBA and the NFL do that pretty, pretty darn well. And like a lot of the other sports can kind of follow suit like MLB to try, try some of these ideas and then see how they work and then adapt accordingly.
0: No. Yeah. I I like the, um, NBA. I think the four point, the four point line is interesting. Um, I think it's just how, like you said, it's how you implement it because you don't want to change it too much, but I think it does add a fun little wrinkle. Um, to the game, and, and if we're getting better and better at shooting outside shots, why not like reward people if they're the best at doing that? You know, right. um, and with the and with the All Star game, I think you still want to push incentivize it a little bit because I think the thing with with basketball is that what makes a great play so great is that somebody's trying their hardest yep. to stop the play, yep. and I think they're going more towards that. And I think I guess money helps. Um, the pride thing helps and so the hard thing with the all-star game is that it's, it's an exhibition and so i know baseball tried to make it like important for it to count it in the world series which i thought was silly because it's just this team that um exhibition to make it count yeah but so i think they're on the right track i don't know if it's a fully finite thing to make player maybe it's just it's a matter of like like lebron and steph pushing the culture of like hey this game yep. matters like
1: yeah, uh, I like the idea. They didn't televise it, like, when they made the picks, and you don't oh, know you don't know um, who was
0: picked first. They're doing it this year. Is it official it's that they're going to be televising it's officially televised. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a great idea, because that'll just February add 7. to
1: the drama yeah. of who was first pick, last pick. The oh, last little, pick, there's going to be a huge deal. Yeah. yeah. So I like that idea, because sports is about drama and excitement, and mm-hmm. and this is a good opportunity to do that in an All-Star game.
0: Yeah. So that sounds great. Well, um, it's already – we're – past that hour mark. Um, so I guess we, if we have some more rule changes, we can um, break them down more. So Alex, I think it. I've
1: just fixed all the sports. You so fixed all the sports, yeah, so we, maybe we're... we
0: just don't even have to do it anymore. <laughs> Basically just send all rule changes through Alex, and he will that sounds make good. your sport better. You submit a sport, and he will test it out.
1: As long as they deal with the backlash, I'll come up with the ideas. You
0: just you just take all the front, yep. and just you throw it out there, Yep. I like that. I like that very much. So, But if you have more stuff you want us to kind of break down or more uh, thoughts within each of these sports or any just kind of reaction to, to stuff that's been thrown out, please just let us know. Um, subscribe, like, um, review. Let us know what you like, what you'd like to, us to talk about more. So, um, But Alex, thanks for um, being on. I love all the thoughts. Yep, thanks for having me. Yeah. And um, But for now, we're signing off. See ya.